0: Hey, this is Brian Alvarez, and this is today's edition of the Wrestling Observer Daily Podcast on the 8 Side Network. Are you
1: ready? Are you ready? Let's get it on!
0: How's it going, everybody? Brian Alvarez here on Wrestling Observer Live. We are here every day, Monday through Friday, New Pacific 3 Eastern, Sunday, 3 Pacific 6 Eastern. It's Thursday on this program. You kind of know what that means. Last night, we had AEW Dynamite. Lots to talk about from the Dynamite show last night. Kind of a weird show compared to your normal editions of Dynamite. Did have a very good main event. Bizarre match with CM Punk and Wardlow. We'll talk about all of that today. And today, we have a special guest. Mike Sempervivi is not here today. He's just too tired. And so I thought, hmm, Mike Sempervivi not here who should i ask to be a co-host i know filthy's after my job can't be him so lance storm is joining us here today as our co-host he'll join us after the break and we'll talk about all of this news we got wwe in the elimination chamber you'll never know where that show's taking place from we have the nxt ratings gcw going to pay-per-view charlie haas update as noted the aw dynamite report And so much more. Saturday night, by the way, is Washington Hall, New Japan Pro Wrestling. I will be there. Vinny will be there. And Clark Connors is going to be there. And Clark is going to be our guest in the final segment of the show here today, talking that show and pretty much whatever else we want to talk about New Japan-wise. We can talk to him about training with Lance Storm here. He's gotten very good very fast. Lot to get into here today. If you want to text us, 425-780-7566 is the phone number. That is 425-780-7566. Brian at wrestlingobserver.com is the email. At Brian Alvarez on Twitter. And Lance Storm is at Lance Storm on Twitter. Check it out and we'll be back in a moment, Observer Live. Back in the show, Brian Elvira is here, Wrestling Observer alive. Lance Storm is joining us here today. Lance P. Storm, who, by the way, five years ago had a young Clark Connors in his class. We'll talk about that with Clark later on when he joins the show here today. And we got news to get into here, Lance, before we get into this dynamite review. In a shocking turn of events... WWE is reportedly looking at bringing the Elimination Chamber to Saudi Arabia for their Saturday, February 19th event, because of course they're going to bring the Elimination Chamber to Saudi Arabia.
2: And it's going to be the greatest Elimination Chamber ever.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's going to be the most eliminating chamber ever. News were reported on Fightful on Thursday. It's unknown if the event will be branded as Elimination Chamber it broke last week. The show would be taking place in February. Uh, WWE will hold the country' uh, first such Saturday show. By the way, they'll be hold since they uh, holding in that country since their partnership began. So yeah, they're really into these Saturday pay-per-views, and uh, it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I they know they know better than I, and I mean, it really doesn't matter. I don't think that much with Peacock, but you remember when uh, AEW was running the uh, occasional Saturday pay-per-view. And uh, they discovered that, in fact, Sundays do way better than Saturday. So now they're on Sundays for the most part. Whereas WWE is like, oh, let's do more Saturdays. So I don't know what their numbers are on Peacock. You know, they claim all sorts of things, but they claim all sorts of things about everything. But Saturday again for uh, for this show and uh, the Royal Rumble, I believe. Isn't that
2: right, Saturday? I don't know, but I'm curious if it's to break fans of the habit that Sunday's the night in an attempt to hurt AEW doing better on Sundays, it's like, we'll move ours around, because it doesn't matter to us. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Dog's, Dog's uh, having a good time here again. He was really good the other night. I think the He's- key is to have you on the show at night. Yeah, Royal Rumble, Saturday, January 29th. So another Saturday pay-per-view
2: for WWE. I should I do a first Saturdays. You prefer Saturday? How come? Because Sunday is like getting ready for the week, and it's like late on a Sunday night. It's like you got Monday morning to deal with. Saturday is like right in the middle of the weekend. The Saturday night it's easy. Hmm. I don't you... go to parties. So... I was
0: going to say, what do you do during the week that you're getting ready for?
2: Well, my wife gets ready for work, so I, I have see. other things, and it's just staying normal, I guess. I got it. I got it.
0: All right, the other uh, quick news note here, NXT on Tuesday night, 647,000 viewers on the USA Network, down 5.5% from New Year's Evil, lowest audience since December 21, 0.14 in 1849, 40th on cable, down 12% from New Year's Evil, and uh, this was a show where they actually shot an angle on Monday Night Raw for the main event of this NXT show with Grayson Waller and AJ Styles. And as it turned out, no one cared. So we were kind of talking about this with uh, Semper Vivi yesterday. It was Bizarro World, as WWE says. He was talking about how he thinks NXT could be maybe getting better after WrestleMania. I don't know where all this hope came from from uh, Semper Vivi, but we now have an example of an angle being shot on the main roster with someone who is undoubtedly a star. This is AJ Styles. It's not like they sent down. No offense, but like Chad Gable. AJ Styles goes down. Main event match, Grayson Waller, point one four in eighteen to forty-nine. So I don't know what you do with the show, but that's how it that's how it did. I think still good enough to not worry about getting canceled anytime soon, but
2: more people wrestling in onesies. That's that's the key. You have been watching NXT, have you, Lance? No, but I, I saw clips of the is it Wendy Chu that wrestles in the onesie yeah. and the fake slippers? But, I mean, she worked well. Okay. <laughs> you don't think? I don't think it matters when you're sleeping and drinking a beverage and then wrestling in your pajamas. Well, at the end of the it's day, like, Lance, yeah. It's, but it's it's one of those short-term gimmicks that you can laugh at and go, hey, that's cute, but it's like, is anyone going to main event a show in a onesie? No. You know what it reminds
0: me of, actually? I was I was sitting there watching it and... I was watching Wendy Chu walk to the uh, ring in her pajamas, in her onesie with her blanket and pillow. And uh, I just thought, you know, I can imagine, like, because my wife doesn't watch wrestling. And, uh, you know, I could imagine if I watched wrestling, like, downstairs and she was in the room when this happened. And uh, I could imagine her, like, watching Wendy Chu's entrance and at first being confused. But then like, you know, seeing her doing all the high flying and everything like that kind of thinking it was sort of cool. But not in a way where she would ever watch it again. You know what I'm talking about? Like yes. it's one of those things where I can see people thinking it's cool or or funny or interesting or different, but not in a way where they're going to like become NXT fans because of it. Kind of like, you know, she used to love Santino and I'd be watching Raw and you know Santino would come on and she'd want to watch Santino and doing all of his goofy comedy and the snake and everything like that. But it was never like, I'm going to keep watching after Santino goes off the screen. It's like, I want to see Santino, tell me what he's on, and then when he's not on anymore, I'm going to get out of here. So, I mean, is that good for the future of wrestling or for Raw or for building fans? I don't think so. Like, you need something that's going to get my wife to go, I want to watch this show every week. And Wendy Chu in her pajamas, and I like Wendy Chu, and I thought she was the best worker in the match. I don't think that's doing it.
2: No, and the gimmick will get very tired very soon because once you get used to the fact that she wrestles in her pajamas, who cares?
0: We've got an uh, update on a few things. Charlie Haas, after a freak accident at Sunday's Impact Wrestling Tapings, he provided an update. He wants to wrestle more in the year ahead. He suffered a concussion as he was running into the corner. He slipped and hit, hit Alexander's knees and the ropes. That's no good complimented Impact staff and the roster. Can't say good enough things about them, he says. I look forward to working with them again in the near future. I want everyone to know I will be just fine. Contrary to some reports, Charlie Haas is not dead. I didn't see those reports. <laughs> but that's good to know that he is not dead. And also, PCO is now under contract with Impact Wrestling. Pat LeProd reported on his podcast he signed a contract. The deal allows PCO to work indie dates as well. He has to prioritize uh, prioritize dates with impact. 54-year-old PCO. I feel like he's been 54 for like seven years now. Am I wrong <laughs> about that? He's not human. He ages at a different rate than uh, other yeah, people. he people. Yeah, he's always been 54 since he came back. Uh, signed with ROH in 2018. Won the ROH championship once during his time with the company. So uh, very good for PCO. And uh, finally, Game Changer Wrestling has got a high-profile show. Their biggest in history... The World on GCW will be available through traditional cable pay-per-view providers and Fight TV. So if you don't have Fight.TV but you have a TV, if you're one of those people that has a TV with pay-per-view, you can order this Hammerstein Ballroom, New York City, 2,000 fans. Uh, there's going to be a Hall of Fame ceremony the night before with Dave Prezak, LaFisto, Jerry Lynn, Homicide, Ruckus, and Tracy Smothers in the inaugural class. Jonathan Gresham versus Blake Christian for the ROH title. Ruby Soho and Ali Catch team Bandito versus team Gringo. Eddie Kingston will be appearing at his first GCW show since November of 2019. Opponent not yet announced. Whoever it is, I'm ready. So that's the uh, update. Another another company running pay per view. So
2: yeah, I'll be curious if companies like AEW and perhaps Impact. Will be as eager to allow their talent to work GCW if they're going to be doing pay-per-view dates.
0: I think that they probably will not uh, care too much. I think if GCW got national television, like strong national television, it would be a little bit different. But I mean, AW let their their guys work the Impact pay-per-views, and
2: you know, Impact. Well, that was is... a specific working relationship at the time.
0: Well, sure, but uh, we'll see. But that's coming up here uh, very soon. All right, AEW last night. Uh, a lot of stuff happened on the show. We're actually going to head to a break before we talk about it. But uh, CM Punk, Wardlow, I think is one of the most... Would you say that's the most noteworthy thing on the show, Lance? Probably, yeah. Yeah, talk about that. Lots of other things happened. Back in a moment with more, everybody. Observer Live!
3: Scott Falling through the floor, just as well to keep it. I get some
1: game in store. You're with me now. We'll be again. Other points in between, and the cool, cool mornings turn the days of swim or safe. Living right is easy. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Back in the show, Brian Elber is here. Wrestling Observer Alive. Lance Storm is joining us here today. Clark Connors coming up after the next commercial break. And a uh, very, very busy show last night. Lance, what did you think of Dynamite.
2: Um, I didn't like it I I thought it was way too busy with way too much going on where all of the matches to me felt like they were just there to set up angles afterwards and I I, you know we've raved often on our our regular show on Friday about the winning formula of a really strong opening match that party match with high spots and action in the middle and then a good main event and they abandoned that formula and I didn't like this one nearly as much.
0: Well, I think the most talked about thing is the uh CM Punk versus Wardlow match, which uh was bizarre to me. I mean, the feud is CM Punk versus MJF. And anymore. to be fair, uh CM Punk and MJF I think can talk their way back into this feud. But there's gonna need to be a lot of talking because Wardlow absolutely destroyed CM Punk not even a case where like he destroyed him for most of the match and then like CM Punk caught him and pinned him which is kind of what happened but Wardlow destroyed him so much that after like five power bombs like he's just destroying this guy totally clean no interference five times he power bombs this guy he puts his foot on his chest and Punk is done and the ref goes one two and MJF says no 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 so Wardlow takes his foot off the guy's chest. Like, Punk was destroyed. He was beaten clean in the middle of the ring.
2: Almost squashed. Yeah.
0: And then he gets thrown outside and bombed through a table. And, like, he's dead. And uh, Aubrey starts doing the count, and she's doing a, like, one. Two. To the point where Jar's like, bro, she's counting real slow to give this guy a chance to get back in the ring. So he should have been beaten a second time. So he finally gets in the ring, and uh, MGF tells Wardlow to do another power bomb. And in a scene straight out of Bret Hart versus Diesel, Wardlow goes for the power bomb. CM Punk rolls him up and pins him, and then dies. Like Punk pins him, and then he's dead. And he rolls outside, and he's just dead on the outside. He I mean, becomes been, an
2: afterthought. He's been
0: killed. And then all of the heat shifts to MGF versus Wardlow. And they get in a shoving match and Wardlow finally grabs his wrist and he's gonna and then you know Spears jumps in to to separate him. And like when it was over, I want to see MGF and Wardlow. Like Everyone CM knows. Punk is now an afterthought. And I don't think the, the segment was designed to make him an afterthought. Well, it
2: was designed to, which is maybe not have intended
0: to. Well, intended to, yes. And uh now, I mean I think I like I said, I'm confident that MGF and CM Punk can talk their way back into this but I thought that it was just... This was too much all about Wardlow. And granted, Wardlow's about to turn and be a huge star, but the timing of it took away from interest building in MJF versus Punk.
2: Well, yeah, Punk was the afterthought because the entire story was Wardlow. It was like, oh my God, Wardlow lost. Wardlow's going to be angry about this. Wardlow had two visual victories over Punk. Wardlow was the rightful winner, and it's like, this segment damaged punk a lot. It completely made me not care about punk MJF anymore. Everyone's into MJF Wardlow. And it's like, yeah, quite probably because they're good promo guys, they can dig themselves out of this hole. But I don't understand putting them, putting punk in particular, this deep in a hole that they have to talk their way out of. This was a very damaging segment.
0: I'm not sure. No. Hey, listen, chat. No one said Punk's career is over. No one said that. Let's not go crazy here. I had some of this last night. You know what's funny is I'm always accused of being paid by AEW, but if I have any criticism of AEW, I just am like just bombarded with anger and fury. Well, it's because you offer it so so
2: so seldom that they, they react strong.
0: Yes, everyone. Punk will be fine. But that was a really weird segment that took away my interest in the Punk match with MJF and shifted my interest to a match with MJF and Wardlow. Now, maybe, and I don't know exactly how they do this unless there was like a major injury angle, but I mean, maybe Punk and MJF is not taking place until the pay-per-view in March And so they're going to do MGF and Wardlow in the meantime. But, I mean, that would sort of be weird, too, because, you know, MGF should not be losing to Wardlow before facing CM Punk, nor should Wardlow be losing to MGF right after turning babyface. So I don't know what they're going to do, but we'll... This one, I'm confident I can say we can wait and see, because it ain't just going to be dropped, that I can tell you. What else did you think of this show?
2: Uh, again, I, I mentioned that there were too many angles for me that to me, the, the debut of Brody King was almost forgotten, was forgotten by me, like by the end of the show. And, and I think they, they really undermined the main event in that by the time like Jericho and Kingston did the promo before the match where there was big tension between these two big stars and, you know, Jericho will be out there at ringside. And it's like, I no longer cared about the main event because I knew it's like, oh, we're just waiting until Kingston and Jericho do the the angle afterwards because every match had the angle afterwards. And I was right. And it just, there ended up being not really a mat like a good match that I got into because with all of the post-match shenanigans after every single match, That's what I was waiting for in the main event, was like, oh, just get me to the Jericho-Kingston thing, because that's the big angle, and I didn't care about the interim title match.
0: Well, the interim title match is also weird. Here's another one we'll have to see how it plays out. But yes, uh, you know, we, we had the champion miss a show, and so they created an interim title. And when we were talking about it a couple days ago, you know, the one thing I kept hearing people say was, well, we don't know when Cody's going to be back. Maybe Cody's going to be out for a month. Maybe Cody's going to be out for two months. And that's, we're going to do a bunch of stuff. Nope. With... No, he's back next week.
2: So. But it, but it sets a dangerous precedent, too, in that especially with, you know, Omicron being such a widely spread thing, there's a good chance others will test positive and have to sit out a week or two because they, they don't end up really sick, but they test positive And it's like, If any of these people are scheduled for a championship match and miss that championship match, if they want to follow consistency, they got to do interims for, you know, like heaven forbid, you know, one of the Jurassic Express guys. Actually, it was taped already, so that's fine. But or is that next week on on Dynamite? I don't remember, but it's like one title match that someone tests positive for the champion does. And it's like, why isn't there an interim? You promised us a title match. And I just think it was a, a poor idea. And yeah, Cody's out for like what, nine days?
0: Yeah, Dynamite next week is Adam Cole and Britt Baker versus Orange Cassie and Chris Statlander, Punk versus Spears, Serena Deeb versus Sky Blue. So let's see what the Serena Deeb thing's all about. Cody Rhodes returns and uh, Sting and Darby versus Acclaimed. Friday has Adam Cole, Trent Beretta, Statlander, Red Velvet, and Layla Hirsch versus Nyla, Penelope, and the Bunny. Sean Spears, Andrew Everett, and uh, Jurassic Express versus Dark Order. So that one has been taped. Taped already. No interim title. See, the thing with the interim title that I could at least, they could at least, but I mean, you still could argue many different things is that it was on the Battle of the Belt show. We were committed to having battles for belts on this show. We're at a random dynamite. Well, the champions aren't there. They can do it next week or whatever. It's not it's not well, needed for the name of
2: the show. I texted you about this. I thought if if you have to do it, I think it would have been better for Cody to just do a promo that He has to be out because he tested positive or make up an excuse, whatever, but that he doesn't want to rob the fans of a championship match. So he's asked both Tony Khan if he could allow him to pick someone to defend the title for him and he could pick Dustin to defend the TNT championship for him. And then at least it's the real belt. And then there's a reason for Dustin, who doesn't have, I I don't think he was even ranked, why he's in the championship match. I think it would have made more sense and at least been the real championship rather than an interim. And, you know, it's still, you know, why is someone else defending the belt for him? But it's like, why is there an interim title for a week? And why is Dustin Rhodes in it? There's, There's questions either way you go. And then at least Sammy Guevara would be walking around with, you know, quote unquote, the real TNT championship.
0: I just think that, uh, I don't like that idea because yeah, it's the real belt, but it's not the real champion. It'd be like if, if Conor McGregor was the champion and Conor McGregor was scheduled to fight on Saturday and he, he couldn't fight. And they were like, well, you know, Conor says that, uh, you but know, is that not whoever can th- defend the belt for him.
2: But you have neither guy being the real champion and the belt not being real. It's like. Again, I'm not saying my idea is great, but it's like if you insist on having a TNT championship match, I think at least there a reason to justify Dustin being in the match and it being the real belt is better than a fake belt with two people that, you know, aren't the champion.
0: I think the best idea would have been Don't do the match and have another championship match on Battle of the Belts.
2: I agree completely. That's why I said if you insist on having a TNT championship, I would have preferred um, an explanation where Dustin's defending the belt for his brother.
0: Because think about this, everybody. All right? I like to think on this show, Cody's back next Wednesday, right? Yes. Yes. So you very easily could have just done Jurassic Express versus the Dark Order on Battle of the Belts. And then Cody comes back and defends his title against Sammy on TV. Right? Just switch those two matches. But that's not what they did. Now we have an interim title and the champion's back. it's coming Wednesday. The main event of the show, by the way, was great. I want to get that out there. Sammy Guevara and Daniel Garcia. That was a really good match. And uh, Sammy Guevara retained the title. They beat the absolute hell out of each other. I liked it a lot. And that's uh, that. Said, more on Impact tonight on The Brian Divinity Show. Back in a moment with Clark Connors of Observer Live.
1: Back in the
0: show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer alive. Lance Storm is joining us here today, as well as Clark Connors. His gimmick what's is up? that he is the Rhino, but my God, look at that mane of hair! <laughs> yeah,
3: hey. I
0: what see. are you gonna do? You
3: know, yeah, I, Got, I look too good at it to cut it off. I'll tell you what.
0: What I'm gonna do is steal all of Lance's jokes from during the commercial break. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's funny is uh, I can't remember what show that I was at. But uh, I was at some show and I looked over and I was like, "My God, Hangman Page is here!" And uh, it was you. I was
3: totally oh, confused. <laughs> if I had a nickel for every time I heard that, man, yeah, it's good, good. He's well, he's doing he's doing something good over there at uh, an AEW. So you know, maybe it's in the in our genes or something.
0: He's definitely not doing too bad. That, yeah, that I, I can't complain. Tell you. Now I hear uh, I I heard from an inside source that actually was not Lance Storm because I got scoops. That you have moved to Arizona, is that
3: right? Yes, sir. I'm uh, no longer a young lion for a little while then, as everyone knows. So I uh, up and got the hell out of L.A., and I'm living out here in the Valley of the Sun in Arizona, loving every second of it. And, uh, yeah, it's good to get out of the city, I don't say that much.
0: I mean, before before L.A., as I'm sure many people are aware, you lived in, in North Bend, Washington. North Bend? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is absolutely, completely, totally, one hundred percent different from Arizona.
3: Well, that's the thing: is you you grow up someplace and it rains three hundred days a year, and uh, snows. You know, you, you get used to that. It, it feels a lot better to get the get out to somewhere where it's sunny. You know, three hundred and fifty. So I, uh, I, this is more my speed. I'll tell you that much.
0: Yeah, I, uh, I, every now and then I go over to uh, to Vinny's, and there's just like. You're on You're on the pass, there's this gigantic mountain, there's snow on the mountains, it's cold, and r- perfect place for Vinny to live, by the way. And then, uh, <laughs> then you think about Arizona, it's like, wow, you just had to get out of that place.
3: Yeah, no, you're 100% right. That's a, that's Vinny personified, if he was a weather system, yeah.
0: Yes. Now, yeah. Uh, the other, the other question is, you mentioned no longer being a young lion. So I was watching New Japan Strong every week religiously. And uh, this was during your Young Lion phase. And uh, every week I was just waiting for, like, the big moment where you had your your graduation. And I had all these ideas about, you know, Shabbat can come out and we can do this and that. And, man, this big moment. And all of a sudden, just one day you weren't a Young Lion anymore. And I was like, what happened?
3: So what happened? Well, you know, um, in my own personal growth and journey of it all, I didn't feel like I was a young lion for a good year before I actually came out with the costume change. Anyways, I didn't think of myself as a young lion. Um, so for me, it was more just a. uh, I, I didn't want a big reveal or anything anyways. For me, it was just like, it's business as usual. Like, yeah, I got new trunks. I got myself a new nickname. Uh, but yeah, it's, I'm just gonna go out there and kick butt the entire time anyways. So, um, yeah, I didn't need it. And uh, you know, I like the fanfare. I didn't need to have a whole big cape. I don't need to dress up in a suit like Naito or any of that stuff. I'm just there to, you know, I want to start winning more matches. That's about it. But um, yeah, and here I am now. So,
0: so, so how did it actually happen? Just one day you just go, "Ah, eh, get some trunks."
3: Well, no. I got the I got the okay, you know, like uh especially for our LA Dojo system, you know. Shibata is is the, the real deal, he's the head guy, and uh, he gives you the okay. And it was kind of, you know, I think for me, it was the last match I had before the trunks changed over was Carl and I, ha- we event evented the uh, LA Dojo Showcase that week. And I think for myself and kind of everyone backstage, it was just a, it was a culmination of just like everything I'd learned at that point. Um, from Lance at the start and all the way through Shibata and buddy in between and all the guys have been around in the locker room. And, uh, it was, it was what I could do, um, at that point. And I think I proved to, to them and myself and hopefully the fans that like, it's this young lion gimmick is not, it, it was a gimmick at that point. It wasn't necessary in my opinion.
0: There was uh there was a period where I was just watching and it was like every time I saw one of your matches you had you had like gotten twice as good as, as the week before. And uh what uh how would you compare the the training that you got from Lance Buddy and Shabbat? I mean, what, what did they have in common as trainers? I can mute Lance if you want so you can jump in here. And yeah, uh right, yeah. <laughs> what did what did they do differently?
3: Well, I don't want to get any heat with uh Lance, so I'm gonna start out there and just say he's the best American style trainer, I I think in the entire world. Um, I haven't had a lot of them, but just in terms of structure and putting together a good program, it's, he's the top of the line. So for me as just someone who had never stepped in a ring until I had come to Lance's school, um, it was the perfect program, uh, you know, three months intensive. um, And then, so for me, that's kind of, the way I looked at it was more like, it was my elementary school, my, through my early high school, basically, of wrestling, where it's basic, you need to learn what you need to learn, and, um, which is exactly what I needed, and then going to buddies, and I kind of went there, and that was more of like a, they saw that I already knew what I was doing, and I would assume it would be the same thing if I went back for, you know, some one-on-one training with, with Lance, but, um, it was more maybe uh, I could f- focus in on my character and focus in on who I am as a wrestler and uh, and then then sharpened up actually with matches and then uh, yeah so I would call then my college or my doctorate program would be coming in with Shibata. and don't get me wrong we went back to basics but um, by the end though it was it's very high level even with the language barrier it was it's a very high level training program I'd say
0: yeah, so I was going to ask, like, when you show up to the New Japan Dojo, I mean, you'd, you'd been trained by, by very, very good trainers. And, and what, what did they, they tell you when you first walked in there? Like, you know, w- were there things... I'll give you an example. If, you, if somebody goes to, uh, to WWE Developmental and they work yeah. a style that's not your WWE style, they're going to basically try to retrain you completely. I would presume that Shibata was not like you got to start over at zero and be completely retrained. Right. But like what did they say in terms of, you know, whatever you did before doesn't matter or we appreciate what you did before, we're going to, you know, add in some amateur wrestling or whatever. What did they say when you walked in?
3: Uh so the the biggest thing and and uh, and I and I he, he lives it I mean he lives what he teaches with Shibata is it's not it was literally didn't he didn't give two you know two craps about uh sorry i'm trying to censor myself on the radio yes uh, <laughs> uh he d- didn't care um at all about anybody's level of wrestling acumen he didn't care how you ran the ropes didn't care how you if you could take an arm drag if you knew how to do a spanish fly or whatever people are doing uh it was a 100 percent. when he tells everybody it's about your heart um and he we would bust our butts you know in those big training sessions and anytime he's looking for new talent um and it wasn't about if you knew the japanese style how to take a judo bump or how to you know like run the ropes japanese style or headlock or anything it's it was purely about is if you he could tell if you tried and did your best and that was really it that was the baseline of it so we have guys like carl's been doing it for You know, a little longer than me and, and, uh, and, and, uh, Jet, Kevin, you know, he'd been only doing it for a year or so when, when he got picked up, I was, you know, freshly new too. So it didn't matter how much we were doing it or not in terms of wrestling acumen, it was purely just how much we tried. And it just so happened for, you know, that we're all happened to be really good at what we did. Um, and we got better as, you know, as the years went on for sure. So. That's the biggest thing is it's not about, you know, what you can do. And then obviously there's a relearning process and you take a lot of bumps and you do a lot of squats and you do all that stuff anyways. But, um, yeah, I would say it's all about heart.
0: So when Shibata nearly died and then afterwards it was like, you will never be wrestling again. And uh, it's funny, like, if that never happened, who even knows what the New Japan Dojo would be like now. But uh, he ended up going to the dojo and, and running the program. And, you know, eventually earlier or last year, we saw his uh, his exhibition match with Zack Sabre Jr. And then, uh, of course, in the Tokyo Dome, he came out and, and did a full match. And my question to you is what I mean, was any of this a surprise or or is Shibata in there like all the time doing whatever during training sessions? I mean, was it clear to you long ago that this guy was good to go?
3: Uh, yes and no. I would say mentally he never skipped a beat. Like he treated every training, every practice, uh, with the intensity that he is still one of the best professional wrestlers in the world. It's not like he's just a coach or anything. He had no, I don't think there was a single second in his mind that he didn't see himself as a pro wrestler still, you know? And, uh, yes, he, the doctors told him he couldn't wrestle, but, uh, he, I don't think I ever thought that, but he was obviously always very safe. Um, we, like he would get in there with us and amateur wrestle, but we'd always, you know, he'd wear a helmet, uh, you know, a padded rugby helmet, and it was always we were always very cognizant of, you know, not trying to take not if we take him down, then we're not going to bang his head on the ground, you know, and and not to say that it's very easy to take him down, it's been, you know, it's tough, uh, but yeah, I think I think for him it was always. Without a doubt, he was going to come back. As for the actual match and even the exhibition, he's did not say a word to us. I had no idea. Like I had seen him, you know, like he we he put it this way: he doesn't wear the helmet when he wrestles with us anymore, or he hadn't for a little while. But and that was just him getting better day by day. But uh, in terms of the match or anything, I had no idea. Like he he faved all of us. So yeah, good for him, I guess.
0: Are you excited to be back at Washington Hall for the show Saturday night.
3: Oh, yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, this match coming up with TJ, that's um, a culmination for me of, once again, like I told you before, with that match I had with Carl, uh, this is this is now, I mean, every match is more important and more important, but this one to me is uh, the culmination of where I am as a wrestler right now. Uh, I get to beat up TJ, which is always fun to do, uh, in front of the, the best fans in the world with the best company in the world. Uh, he's very punchable. Um, yeah, he, <laughs> he is. Really so he is. Uh, He's uh, even when like we would team together and, you know, and, and we, uh, we have a lot of, we had a lot of respect for each other, but I'd still want to punch him in the face most of the time. You know, he's a, uh, he's punchable face, but also punchable personality. So it's, uh, I'm trying to let out everyone's catharsis when I um, beat him down.
0: In Washington. So has anyone talked to any of you guys about the future? At some point, there's not going to be a two week quarantine to get into Japan for New Japan proper. I-, I would presume that that most of the top stars of New Japan strong would ultimately be going over there. But has there been any discussion about that? Or are you just waiting to hear what you hear?
3: That's really the biggest, the hardest part about this whole thing, and obviously everyone's gone through these past two years and do differently, and there's had setbacks. But yeah, it's the hardest part for I know for myself, and I know for the guys I talk to, you know, almost on a daily basis, the other dojo guys, Gabe, Carl, Alex, um, and and it's just about like we're. We are just lying in wait, like it's nothing, it's like a coiled spring. Every day that goes by, there's more pressure on it, more pressure on it. And uh, we haven't been told anything, um, but I know that when the, the time comes and, and we're ready to go back, and I, I, I you know, I would want it to be in the correct place, the correct, you know, make it make it impactful, you know, because once that happens, once they let this spring go, it's gonna be game over for everybody, in my personal opinion, New Japan uh is about to become the company that it was in 2019 uh and we're going to be the best wrestling product continuing to be the best wrestling product in the world but uh we'll get the respect as uh, athletes and myself and as a company as a whole once we uh open things back up
0: all right stand by back in a moment everybody observer live Back in the show, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live, Lance Storm, and his dog joining us here today, as well as Clark Connors here. Tomorrow is Friday, and the day after that is Saturday, and Saturday is the New Japan, New Beginning USA show at Washington Hall here in Seattle. Tickets are, I think there's still a few standing room tickets available But uh, I would presume not many. Tom Lawler, Taylor Rust for the title, the New Japan Openweight title. Uh, New Japan Strong Openweight title is the main event. Fred Rosser and Gabriel Kidd, who had an awesome match on New Japan Strong with Eddie Kingston last week. God, what a match. Carl Fredericks, Ethan H.D., Cody Chun, and Hikaleo, and uh, Clark. You're on the show as well here, buddy.
3: Yeah, man, yeah, I'm uh, taking on T.J., uh, TJP as it were. Um, yeah, and it's kind of, uh, this is going to be the culmination of about, actually about a two year long story I've had with the guy. So, uh, yeah, I'm ready to, I'm ready to close the chapter with this guy for sure.
0: Who else is, uh, who else is on your list? we got about 30 seconds here. Who have you not faced on strong that you also want to punch in the face? Like,
3: uh, well, you know, uh, I'm just going to make the list short and sweet. It's got to be Tom, uh, you know, I've, I've wrestled a lot of the other guys, but I don't think I've had the chance one-on-one with Tom, and especially if he retains the championship, um, he's he's who I'm calling out next. I, I know, That's just all I can say. That's all I know is i got to win a championship. i got to prove myself this company.
0: Well, Clark, I want to thank you so much for doing the show today. Best of luck. We'll see you this weekend. And uh, best of luck in your new residence as well. The weather is right much up. nicer there than it is right here, so enjoy that.
3: 775, we'll see you down
0: here. That's right. And, of course, thanks, Lance, as always, callers and listeners over the studio, Twitch homies, YouTube folks. We'll talk to you next time, Wrestling Observer Live. You have been listening to the Wrestling
1: Observer Daily Podcast on the 8Side Network. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off, grand slam, or a base hit to center field.